Hey, this is Todd Burns from Red Bull Music Academy. Welcome to Couch Wisdom, our regular podcast presenting the best of RBMA's lecture archive. As one of the founding members of the legendary Detroit techno crew Underground Resistance, Robert Hood's legacy in the electronic music world is almost peerless. As well as pioneering the minimal techno sound with his 1994 LP Minimal Nation, he's released on techno mainstays such as Metroplex and Jeff Mills's Axis label. When I talked to him at the 2014 Red Bull Music Academy in Tokyo, he was just reigniting his floor plan alias, a more soulful, spiritually grounded project. We talked through his entire career in this conversation, touching on his beginning days in Detroit and the role of religion in his work. It's a fascinating insight into one of Techno's key figures. If you want to learn more about the Academy, please stay tuned after the lecture. But for now, enjoy this bit of couch wisdom. Please help me in welcoming Robert Hood. Hello. Obviously, if people think about the name Robert Hood, I think the first uh, music that comes to mind is techno. But I wanted to start where you actually maybe began with music, with hip hop. Mm. You uh, went under a different name for a while, not Robert Hood. What was your name? And uh, tell me a little bit about how you got into hip hop. Yeah. Um Robert Noyes was what I went by, and that sort of that came from the art of noise, and sort of uh, from from the Bomb Squad as well, uh, production team for Public Enemy, and so yeah, the, you know, of course Sugar Hill Gang, you know, but but even before Sugar Hill Gang, there was Dolomite, you know, there was. Uh, a uh, guy called Blowfly. When I was a kid, you know, we used to s- sneak away and listen to uh, these uh, recordings of adult raps from this artist called Blowfly. And so we, uh, that was sort of my introduction into it. And so, again, with uh, Sugar Hill Gang and with uh, Grandmaster Flash and Furious Five and, and Curtis Blow. Uh, but then, you know, around the time when Run DMC came out, that was when my world just shifted, you know, because of the way they arranged their music. There, there, there was no introduction. There was no, it, it, was, it was a departure from the way music was uh, structured. And so it, they just came out with uh, this, this blatant hard beat. And I just felt the earth shift and change. And there was this, this sparse, minimal production. And so hip hop was my thing. You know, between between that and stuff by Soft Cell, Thomas Dolby, I was, you know, I was just bored with um, with radio, Top Forty Radio, and um, <laughs> and and I meet this guy called the Wizard, and Jeff is um, uh, small in stature, and I'm looking for I don't know what I imagine because you'd heard him on the radio before. Yeah, right? yeah, and I'm 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 thinking he's you know, seven feet tall. I don't know what I imagine. And, you know, it's just like the Wizard of Oz. You, you peek behind the curtain and there's this, and I'm looking like, I'm looking past him saying, where's the wizard? 
you know, and, and there's this guy behind this four track editing tape. And I'm like, okay, that can't be him. So when is he going to come out? And so, but, and I'm like, you know, no disrespect to Jeff, you know, but, uh, okay, this nerdy guy here, okay, maybe he's the wizard. And so it just, it just threw me a curveball. Obviously, he was on the radio. There's electrifying mojo on the radio. And we talked to Carl Craig uh, yesterday on the couch, and he talked quite a bit about mojo. Yeah. One of the radio shows that you always talk about, though, is one that was hosted by Derek May. Yeah, the Electric Crazy People. What did that show sound like? Progressive, acid. It it sounded crazy. It it was just so forward-thinking. And... I can remember recording the show and uh, and listening to it and just saying, wow, what is what is this? And just getting on the bus, going to school the next day, and just it just sounded otherworldly. And I, I wasn't sure exactly what to make of it. And what is, you know, I had never heard a 303 before, and, you know, what is this they're doing with rhythm and, and with sound and with the... With the um, this beat. What is this beat? I don't. I didn't know what to call it. It wasn't called techno at the time. It wasn't called house. I just knew it as progressive music, and we called it transmat music. That's that's all we knew is metroplex music. I don't know. So you're listening to this. You don't know how it's made. Who taught you? You know how it's made. How did you find out? About I kind of taught myself. You know, I bought a Roland TR505 from a pawn shop, and I didn't know how to program it. So I took it to uh, a music store and they said well you know you have to get a manual and you know this is how this is the basic way to program it and once I found out how to how it worked and how I could program it I was done I you know I could I started trying to figure out how can I make a, a hi-hat sing how could I make a hi-hat uh, sound like a reverb and what else can I do with this and so that machine was my introduction into Techno. You always mentioned the hi-hat in making yes. it sing. Why yes. is the hi-hat for you so important? I don't know. It's just um, something about the ride symbol and the, the atmosphere that a hi-hat creates. I would listen to jazz records and old funk and soul records, and the hi-hat would always take you to another place and seem to take you to a higher atmosphere. And so that was what lifted, that was that extra small diminutive element that would lift you up out of out of where you were i mean obviously you were doing electronic music stuff and the hip-hop and trying to fuse it together right i mean that was the idea of robert noise i suppose Mm -hmm. and when you sent something to or what caught mike banks's ear was uh, the drum programming rather than the rapping right right because you know i didn't want to rap I wanted to find a rapper that could uh, have the political lyrics of, let's say, Chuck D, uh, with uh, combined with a more progressive attitude of Q-Tip from a tribe called Quest, and sort of uh, the, the, you know, combined also with the the lyrics of Gangstar Guru, and so I couldn't really find anybody, so I decided to write write it myself and perform it myself. But when I played the track to Mike he noticed how I would uh, make those hi-hats and the snares just sort of swing and roll and, and, and the way I programmed the 505. And so that really made him pay attention. 
Gangstar, to me, DJ Premier, Guru, they embody what hip-hop is. The lyrics, the production, and uh, not from a gangster rap point of view, but from a storyteller's point of view, sort of like a Langston Hughes type of jazz poetry combined with hip-hop. And so Mass Appeal, for me, is like my theme song, if you will. And um, if, if I could rap over my music, this is what I would say. Uh, rap to me is like battle music. It's what I listen to before I go and DJ. It gets me, it gets me in the mindset of, of going to conquer and slay a giant. And there's nobody that can stand in my way. I am unstoppable. And so, and, 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 and also this superstar DJ world we're living in, I was sort of the antithesis to that. You know, I didn't want to be, I just wanted to put my, my, add my two cents into the mix, into this techno game. And so, but, you know, there are those who began to look at me as, as, you know, who is this, who is this dude? He's not really one of us. He's not really like us. But I'm saying to myself, I can do this too. And matter of fact, I can, I can conquer, you know, and, and slay giants and, 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 and have an abundant career in this game. And I'm virtually unstoppable. And Guru's lyrics just told sort of my story and how I felt about this whole game. You know, there, there are those who are seeking so much relevance in techno and music and, and so much uh, a sense of, just to have a sense of um, belonging and to make their mark in it, that they're selling their souls and stepping over people and looking down their nose at, noses at, at uh, up-and-coming artists who are just trying to, you know, get in this game and express themselves. And so, you know, we, we lose ourselves when we're just about trying to outrun the next cat, trying to outrace the next guy. And, and somewhere in the Bible it says that you, you, the, the race is not won by the swiftest or the strongest, but the one who endures until the end. And so that's what I'm about. Techno is a movement. It is a revolution. Uh, it's a culture. And um, this vehicle, this um, format of music that we're, we've been blessed to be able to uh, express ourselves through and create beautiful music and to beautify this world is, is, uh, is just a blessing. It's a privilege. We were performing as, you know, more than a band is more than a revolution. It was, it was more than a movement. Um, you know, I, I have so much love and admiration and respect for uh, Jeff and Mike and um, this music um, helped to save my life. And, and this music is, is, to me, represents the struggle of um, black artists from Detroit who came from nothing. You know, I came from Seven Mile, uh, living on the west side of Detroit and having nothing, you know, and, and again, to be blessed to be able to um, share this music with the world and to, and to create and be everything that God has uh, intended me to be creatively is just such, it's humbling, you know. And I, I see this young 22, 23-year-old kid 
who's, uh, you know, trying to find his way and, uh, and trying to say something that means something to the world. In terms of coming out of Detroit, because obviously underground resistance became a national and an international thing, um, you started touring a little bit and going to different places. One of the places that I think was instrumental um, in bringing you to a wider audience was New York. You guys went to New York uh, to the uh, CMJ conference, was it? It was uh, the New Music Seminar. First time I had been out of Detroit. Ever. And so, ever. And so um, this was, uh, this whole experience that year was a, you know, it's it just um, life-changing. It was a very pivotal time in my life and, um, you know, just, just a life-changing uh, event. You know, we met a gang of people. We met a lot of people that, I met Queen Latifah. She stopped us on the street and was asking us, what is all this UR business? I see folks running around with these UR shirts on. Um, what is this? Is this a gang? Is this a movement? Are you guys terrorists? What's going on? <laughs> um, LL Cool J was, you know, hey, what's, you know, we stopped us on the street. We met Ice, we met Ice T, uh, guys from Digital Underground. It was, it was, you know, we met Easy E. I shook hands with him, and, uh, you know. It must have been your first time leaving Detroit. It must have been crazy to yeah. have that experience yeah. meeting all these people. The drive there was what I enjoyed. I mean, it's that's great. Yeah, it's a long drive. And, and we, you know, but that's what I enjoyed the most in the drive coming back because I felt changed. And I was listening. We were, we were driving into Detroit and off the freeway, coming off the freeway, listening to um, the whistle song by, by Frankie Knuckles on WJZZ. WJZZ played uh, Larry Heard, Fingers Inc., and all that stuff like it wasn't nothing next to Earl Clue and, uh, you know, Ramsey Lewis and all that. And so it was just like, when I heard that coming into Detroit, it's like a new day. A, a new sun is rising, and I felt a fresh new energy, like I was born again. So you got shot right before you got left shot Detroit. before I went to uh, the new music seminar, working in a record store. Uh, so it really must have felt like a new day coming back. Yeah, you survived was, this ex exactly, exactly. And so having escaped death, you know, I can remember blood pouring out of my head, you know, and thinking, you know, this is it. I'm going to die. You know, I, you know, I haven't really experienced life yet, and here it is. I'm, I'm, I'm leaving Earth. But, um, you know, to God be the glory, I'm still here. And, uh, again, that whole experience, traveling with Jeff and Mike and learning from them and meeting new people and traveling to New York and, and this whole experience of the new music seminar was just life-changing. Yeah. A lot of people know the underground resistance story, so I wanted to jump ahead mm -hmm. a little bit to when... You guys grew apart uh, and started your own things. Uh, yeah. Jeff started Axis, and you, a little bit after that, I guess, started Implant. Right. Tell me about that moment of trying to find your way without these guys that you had done stuff with before. And obviously, you're still talking hmm. with them yeah. and stuff, but. Yeah, yeah. It was, you know, it, it's kind of like when Snoop Dogg left Death Row. You know, and it was just like, okay, there's no more Dr. Dre. There's no more Suge Knight. 
And so what do I do? And so it, I really had to, to really dig deep and look within myself and trust myself and believe, you know, trust me, I was lost. I didn't know quite what to do. Here I was, Jeff had his, his career, of course, solidified, Mike solidified, but my career, my position in techno music wasn't quite as solid. Even though I came from this legendary group and there was a legacy, you know, I still had to build my legacy, you know, kind of like, um, you know, I kind of felt like, I remember feeling like Fife Dog from a, a Tribe Called Quest when Tribe Called Quest broke up. Here you have Ali Shaheed Muhammad has a career. He won on, you know, and did Lucy Pearl with uh, Raphael Sadiq and, and Don Robinson and, and uh, Q-Tip was doing his thing. But, and my feeling was I didn't want to be the runt of the group and I could not be the one who just faded off in obscurity. I had to survive, and I had to do more than survive. I had to thrive and show the world that I could stand on my own two feet. Was there a particular track or moment where you felt like, yes, now I have a sound that I can call my own? When Jeff and I did the first release on Axis, H&M, Sleep Chamber, was the track where I knew... I had a voice and a sound that was completely all me. And it had nothing to do with um, underground resistance. Maybe some elements of uh, Detroit's essence in there, but this was my voice. I can remember creating that track and Abdul Haq, who used to do uh, a lot of uh, transmance artwork, uh, he was in my studio at the time. He was working on something for me, and I remember hitting this certain chord from the Juno 2 and saying, hey, this is it. You know, this is, this is uh, it's so Detroit, but it's, I've never heard anything like it. But it's all mine, and, and it's something new, it's something fresh and original. Minimalism. Yeah. You've talked about it to many people for many years, but it actually wasn't the idea of this. It wasn't called minimalism or minimal at first. I think it was accessed authorized repetition. Access, access authorized repetition. Jeff asked me to go in the studio and dig deep and to create something that was going to let the world know who I was and what I could do. And so, yeah, it was called AAR. And the name was too long. It it just didn't fit. It wasn't catchy enough. And so, you know, Jeff and I were having this conversation about uh, saying the Minimal Nation is rising. There's this new uh, movement called the Minimal Nation. And that's when we both said, that's it. We have to call this Minimal Nation. And so, you know, it's, it's funny that, you know, God, when he created the earth and the spirit of the Lord moved over the waters and God said, let there be. And what we spoke and in, in, in what I spoke into existence, we didn't even realize what brand new world we were creating. And so, yeah, yeah, listening to it, I couldn't help just messing with the frequency and whatnot. And in making the hi-hat do something else, but, you know, just stand there. And my whole idea with minimalism 
was to create rhythms inside of rhythms inside of rhythms, you know, sort of hidden rhythms. I remember those uh, pictures, posters back in the 80s where if you stared into it long enough, you see a hidden picture. And so that was my idea was to not just create diminutive art or simple art, was to draw sort of like trance music. This is real trance music. I don't know about that other stuff. You know, this is the real. This is the real deal. So, and and so, it, it was hypnotic. You know, and, and took you and, and drew you in. And and my thing was to not make everybody in the club go crazy. You know, with this spiritual movement, but to have that one guy in the back of the room, you know, just lose it. You know, and just just start to scream and almost catching the Holy Ghost. And that was my that was my whole focus. When you're creating something like this, where it is hypnotism, how do you know when you've got it right? How do you know after listening to it for so long? I assume it mm-hmm. gets hard to hear it mm-hmm. in a way, especially with this type of music. Sometimes it's instant. Sometimes the goosebumps or that that spirit that lets you know that's it. And sometimes it could take a few days, you know, but you know when you have it, it's, I could tell by the goosebumps. I could feel, by, feel it by the hairs on the back of my neck raising up. And wow, this is, this is it. And I know it's real to me, and so I know it's going to be real to somebody else. Tell me a little bit about floor plan. Obviously, you know, minimal techno is what a lot of people know you for, but uh, especially recently, this more housey alias has come around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Again. Mm, mm. I'm, I'm trying to remember uh, Floor Plan's first release, uh, Funky Souls. And I had always uh, had this yearning, burning desire to do, to do some house music. But I didn't want to sound like um, Frankie Knuckles. I didn't want to sound like Lil Lewis and, and uh, Inner City. I wanted to do something else. Um, and uh, not, not necessarily the garage sound. And so I wanted to kind of um, blend minimalism and my Robert Hood sound with the Detroit house sentiments and emotions of, let's say, Blake Baxter and Chip E., you know, without being so repetitive, but um, yeah, just just soulful house. I think obviously people know Detroit for techno, but it also has an enormous house scene. Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit about that scene and yeah, were you a part yeah. of it? Well, you know, my best memories are of the Music Institute. You know, if you were blessed enough to have been at this private club. It wasn't open to the public. You kind of had to know somebody who knew somebody to get in and check this thing out. Uh, late hours, you know, three, four o'clock in the morning. Uh, it's a juice bar. Just a black box. What is a juice bar for those who um, may not know? I guess just juice <laughs> instead of alcohol, no alcohol. And um, yeah, just forward think, thinking, progressive people. You, you know, it, it wasn't about... Um, so much of the, the club, club atmosphere. It's a strobe light and just uh, blacked out walls. And uh, you could hear DJs, Derek May, Blake Baxter, D. Wynn, Kevin Saunderson, of course, and uh, 
uh, DJ Overdose, you know, was, uh, you know, was one of my favorites. And it was like a spiritual mood in that, in that room. You know, you couldn't really see the DJ. You could see like a silhouette up in the loft playing this banging house music. I remember also going to heaven to hear Ken Collier play. And that was just the best house music you could ever want to hear. The best jack tracks and the best acid house on the planet Earth. And it was just, I mean, this this club was, I mean, again, late night, uh, five, six o'clock in the morning. This was, this was unheard of. Ken Collier is someone who I don't think is known terribly well no. outside of Detroit. But Sadly not, yeah. Everyone you talk to mentions him and says yeah. he's... The godfather. He was, he was our godfather of, of Detroit house music. And, um, I mean, his, his mixing, his blends were just flawless, and he knew when to play what. And, and if you studied him... And, and and Jeff has also taught me this too. You you learn how to how to read the crowd and how to move the crowd when the crowd is tired, when to you know give them a break, and when they when it's time for them to go to the bar. Ken Collier was uh, who I believe taught Derek May, and they learn from this this master, the true master. With the floor plan material, um, you mentioned Funky Souls, which you put out quite a while ago. Mm-hmm. And then you came back to floor plan a couple of years ago yes. in earnest. Mm-hmm. Why? What, what was happening around that moment that you felt like, this? I need to revive this alias of mine? God woke me up in the, in the middle of the night. And I, when I say woke me up, literally out of a deep sleep. And my eyes just sprang open. And God said, I want you to put the gospel in the music. I want you to put this message of the gospel of Jesus Christ in this music. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, I hear you. You know, yeah, um, how, are, how are the people going to receive this? And I wasn't sure, you know, maybe they won't like this. They know me for uh, the Minimal Nation stuff, the Internal Empire stuff, the Monobox stuff, maybe a little floor plan, but, you know, how, how, what it, how are the people going to receive it? He said, don't even worry about that. You're going you're gonna to start a new movement. You're going to bring the church to the club. And I said, well, okay, all right, well, okay. And I started, immediately I went to the studio and started listening to some music. And, and, and God directly, you know, told me to go here, check out, you know, listen to this Aretha Franklin record, this James Cleveland record, listen to Andre Crouch. And these are all records that I grew up on. I grew up in the black church. Uh, this, this is music my grandmother always listened to. And so... It was just a natural progression. It was just in my DNA. And so God told me, I want Floor Plan to be the vehicle or the catalyst to bring this music out. You said in the past that techno and gospel aren't that far apart. Why is that? No, you know, because, listen, you know, I I remember times at the Music Institute where it was so spiritual and the music had gotten so sparse and so repetitious, it, it reminded me of 
early Sunday morning in, at church when uh, the Holy Ghost was moving, and you could uh, you, know, you could see mothers just falling out in the in the aisles and banging on tambourines, and it was just the drums and maybe the bass player or or just the or just the drummer by himself, and this you could feel the anointing sweep through through the entire church, and and, and again. Mothers and, and, and uh, church deacons just passing out in the aisles, you know, filled with the Holy Ghost. And th- that's what reminds me of uh, techno, and it's not that far apart. I mean, house music takes, takes its roots from gospel music. And, and so you can go back to Ray Charles and Sister Rosetta Thorpe and the Clark sisters, and, and I know we're, but, but yeah, it's all tied in together. You know, house music is, you know, is derived from gospel music, disco, and all that. It's tied in. You had your own moment in 2007, I think it was, in the church where you were the one falling in the aisles in the church, I think, so to speak. I read in an interview that uh, your wife told you it's time to speak. Wow, yeah, 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 yeah. I don't remember saying that, but it's, it's amazing that you got that. She, I remember that the spirit in, in the sanctuary was so high. And I was standing at the altar with my hands lifted up. And she came behind me and put her hand on my back and, and told me to just open your mouth and speak. And I began to uh, just, just shout hallelujah, praise God to the top of my lungs and to speak in tongues and just Things were coming out of my mouth that I didn't realize could come out of my mouth. I didn't know it was in me. And so I don't think that it was then that I was filled with the Holy Ghost, but I had a supernatural encounter. And so after that, later on, of course, I was baptized in the Holy Spirit and filled with the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues. But that moment, I knew I was a prophecy that which had been spoken over me. A man was at our church in Detroit and said that you're going to preach. And I was the sound man and I was at the mixer. And when he pointed at me, I said, who is he talking to? And I was the only one in that corner and I'm looking around like he can't be talking to me. And this is, this is not, he must be talking to somebody else. Cause you said you were quite shy. Yeah. Then. Yeah. I, you know, I was not the one, I was always the one, to leave church early. And I would always sit in the back and never mind lift my hands or say hallelujah, praise the Lord. Uh, I always want to um, get out of church early so I can go home and, and smoke. <laughs> you know, I want to, you know, get to my, you know, to my stash and start making music. So, <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm being real. And so, you know, to say, you know, when this minister said, you, you're going to preach, I'm like, say what? Who is he talking to? You know, and he must have this wrong. He's, he's got to be wrong. So. <laughs> I guess I want to touch on Monobox for a minute All right. or two. Mm-hmm. This is something we haven't talked about. How does it differ from Robert Hood and how does it differ from Floor Plan? How would you describe it? I remember this book. I think I was about 13. No, no, 14, 15 years old. I read this book. I can't remember the title of the book. And it was about a, this black ominous box floating above the earth. And, you know, it was an alien invasion. 
And, you know, for days and weeks, this box floated above the earth. And after a while, things started to happen. The animals began to disappear. Organic life began to disappear. And um, the box started to open up in, 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 in different places. This big, you know, rectangular box. And doors began to open and these other boxes began to come out of it. And I don't remember how the story ended or what happened, but I remember that having such a strong impression on me. You know, and things and sounds began to come out of it. And so that was, Monobox began as this other minimal life form, this alien life form that was coming out of Robert Hood. You, you mentioned minimal, and it obviously is minimal, but I think it's alien as opposed to maybe the Robert Hood stuff, which has... Yeah, ac- yeah, absolutely alien. Yeah, that, and that's it, this alien life form that was coming out of... Um, this internal empire that was within Robert Hood. So this is, was another dimension, another side of Robert Noyes, Robert Hood, the vision. And um, he, these alien sounds began to come out. Obviously, tons of artists talk about narrative in their songs and trying to tell a story. In techno, especially with a single track, I, I think it's a little bit harder is it hard for you, or does it come pretty naturally? Mm, sometimes it's a struggle. You know, sometimes I've, I find myself saying, how do I tell the story of faith? You know, for example, with Omega, you know, which obviously has no lyrics. And, you know, through the song titles and through the storyline, you know, I try to give the listener an idea of, um, or a, a, a mental picture in your mind's eye of if you, if you just close your eyes, just what's happening. Sort of the way that Slick Rick tells a story, where he can take the li- listener right into that world. Sort of the way the notorious B.I.G., who was very, very good at uh, uh, taking, taking you right there to what's going on. Sort of a, a cinematic reality in your mind. You know, so you can be right there immersed in the, sto- in the story. Both of those artists, though, of course, have lyrics to rely on. Right. And so I, I find it quite interesting that you're able to... The hi-hats. It's the hi-hat? Yeah, back to the hi-hats. The hi-hats, the bass line, the moodiness of the record that takes you into this world of uh, Detroit techno or to this, into this world of monobox, into the world of uh, floor plan. And the hi-hats has always been my, my partner, my co-pilot, to take you to help raise that level of awareness or lower that level, to add and subtract and and mathematically take you there. And so for the most part, yeah, you know, again, it all came together organically and and pretty easily. And sometimes it was a a struggle. Implant is 20 years old this year. You've been around for even longer than that. Yes. How... Do you maintain longevity in the DJ world? I mean, it's obviously a young person's game. How can I say this without preaching? God is real in my life. And, and, and I can't help talking about God without getting... It's, it's hard to talk about 
God's vision and his purpose without getting, you know, passionate and all, you know, misty eyed and whatnot. Because, you know, God has, has, has given me and each and every one of us the, the ability to defy gravity, to defy the laws of nature where it says, okay, at 50 years old, 60 years old, you're supposed to stop. For what? When I hold on to God's unchanging hand and I became spiritually aware of who I am and what I can do, the Bible says in Philippians 4 and 13, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. God is the source of my strength. And every time I draw from the wellspring of God, it gives me fresh water. And the best way I can explain fresh water is we all know what a pond is. It's a, it's a body of water, but it's stale. It, there's no new life in it. You know, it, it, it becomes stagnant. But a river flows with new water constantly flowing with new water. And so that being connected to God and staying connected to God gives me fresh water every day. So I don't have to run out of ideas and creativity. I'm always creative and I, I've always, I've got ideas and song titles and albums uh, just, just on reserve. And God is constantly feeding me and talking to me and say, hey, I want you to do this. I want you to tell the people this. I want you to tell the people that you're going to a place where you'll never have to grow old. I want you to tell the people of the good news of the gospel that Jesus died for you. And you don't have to die. You can live forever. You can have everlasting life. And that's what uh, the album Paradise is about. It's about everlasting life, of course. But again, you know, I'm staying young and fresh in this climate of uh, new DJs. There's, there's new kids coming out every year, of course. And so, but I'm still relevant and I have, never have to stop and slow down. Again, it, it goes back to being victorious, being unstoppable, and creativity. You're, you're a writer, you're a journalist, and whoever you are as a cook, as a farmer, whatever you do, we're, we're, we're created to build beautiful new things. God spoke and said, let there be light. And so I can speak and say, let there be house. <laughs> Obviously, the techno world is, uh, you, we talked about the roots, and it's obviously connected to that, but at the same time, there's always, uh, I guess, I imagine the worry, perhaps, in your mind that there's not a lot of religion on a dance floor these days, especially in uh, nightclubs in uh, Europe and hedonistic. It's a hedonistic place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Is there ever a worry in your mind about bringing this stuff up to, you know, an audience that may not care? No, no, absolutely not. This is what God created me to do. And again, you know, when the preacher said, hey, you're going to preach, he prophesied and he spoke it. And so all I have to do is receive it and say, okay, God, you want me to say something to, to these people that's going to mean, that's going to speak life into them. I'm not going to speak about rims and gold teeth and, and, <laughs> and hookers and, you know, and, and smoke. I'm going to speak life into the people, you know. And so I'm going to tell them about this man called Jesus who's real in my life. And, and through this man called Jesus, I have abundant life and we all have abundant life. But it's about choice. And my job is to say, okay, here it is. I set the table. Now you can either eat or starve. <laughs> 
you know, there's a saying that goes, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. And I would like for, for everybody in this room, everybody who's going to see this and hear this, to drink from the well of living water. And, you know, Heaven 17 wrote this song called um, We're Going to Live for a Very Long Time. And I didn't realize that was a, actually a Christian record. And, and so the lyrics are, you know, something like, uh, I don't care what the world thinks. Uh, we're going to a place where basically we're, we're never going to grow old and we're going to live for a very long time. Forever is a very long time. And to live in heaven is beautiful. To live in hell, you know, that's, <laughs> that's miserable. I mean, we have a choice. And my job as a Christian, as a minister, as a man of God, is to not just serve you music, but to serve you this spiritual food and, and say, here it is, and say, you're welcome to it. Come eat, come dine, come, come drink, and you'll never have to be hungry. You'll never have to be thirsty. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you Robert. Robert. God bless you. Hey, this is Todd Burns again. Thanks for listening to Couch Wisdom. Before you go, I just wanted to take a moment to tell you a bit about the Red Bull Music Academy. The whole thing is a world traveling series of music workshops and festivals. Almost every year since 1998, we have done the main academy event in one city. The lecture you just heard, for instance, was from the academy in Tokyo. But we do events around the world throughout the year. In fact, we may just be doing an event near you pretty soon. If you want to find out more, check us out at redbullmusicacademy.com. Also, if you liked what you heard on this podcast and you're not already subscribed, please go for it and consider rating us while you're at it. It really does help other people discover the podcast. Thanks for listening. <laughs>